this episode, the thrilling conclusion to our meditations on the way of the cross. The Catholic Underground starts right now. You betcha, it is the Catholic Underground, and we are the podcast, uh, who are, are we cutting through the noise? I feel like we are, cutting through the noise of the digital continent and bringing you the topics that matter. It's episode number 443, for those of you keeping score at home. Mm-hmm. I'm Father Chris Decker, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Joining me, we got Kathleen Lee, she's back. I'm back. She Yay. was on assignment last With week. With a vengeance. <laughs> Isn't it always the yeah, way? Yeah, I think that's always true. Yeah. Also, uh, Olivia's here, she has no beef against anyone. No, no, no beef, no pork, none of that. That's right. Well, especially in this week of weeks. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Olivia, thank you for being here. We've also got Jeff Blackwell up on the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite, merrily happening right now. Jeff Blackwell. Uh, hey, good to be here, Father. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. And then uh, Ed Ball is uh, is in the ball pit. It's really not a sunken area of the Jeff Star. <laughs> it doesn't like matter. I need to say that. It does, it's a it's a metaphorical state of being. There you go. And you said it. Oh, yes. Ed, and Kathleen and like, I won. Ed, do you like the fact that you are metaphorically consigned to a pit? That's a yes. What's that? I can hear you. Oh. Yeah, okay. Okay. Gonna, affirmative cotton. I see. Yeah, he does right. like the idea of being in a pit. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess I can't argue with Ed that. Ed loves Kathleen and Olivia, so yeah. he's a yes. Well, Ed may be in the pit, but we are on the way to Calvary. Yep. Uh, if you joined us last week on the Catholic Underground in episode 442, we talked about the way of the cross, and we, we began with stations one through uh, seven. So from Jesus' uh, con- condemnation to death at the hands of Pilate, which, by the way, was a sham job. The whole thing. The whole thing was a sham. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you if you went to Mass for Palm Sunday today, you got a little hint of that, mm-hmm. where the high priests are uh, are grilling Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they're grilling him while all these people are coming forward with false testimony. Yeah. They, they kind of incite them to, to bring yeah. up all these charges. He said that we heard him say that if you destroy this temple, he's going to raise it up in three days. And and he did say that, but not the way they were saying. And they couldn't even get their testimonies to agree. Yeah. yeah. And so the thing that puts it over the edge is is when the high priest says, well, are you the son of the blessed one? And he goes, mm. I am. Yeah. He says the exact same thing that, uh, of course, that, that God the Father says. Yeah. Uh, and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in the burning bush when Moses asks his name. It makes me think of, um, you know, especially as, as someone who works in the church, who works you know, for the church, who's a mm-hmm. minister of the church, how many times I've been like, okay, this is what the church s- teaches and says. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, yeah, but you said that this, and I'm like, that's not what I said. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's mm-hmm. not what I said at all. But I said this, you know, like I can't imagine, I, I mean, I can because I, f- I feel it mm-hmm. normally, regularly. Like Jesus just sitting there being like, what the heck? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, said, he, even, he even says that in so yeah. many words. You know, mm-hmm. I was in the temple every day teaching, mm-hmm. and you didn't lay a hand on me then. Yeah. So, yeah. so why are you laying a hand on me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was actually just commiserating with another teacher about some this, and, and it's ironic because, like, the chapter I just finished with my freshman is mm-hmm. on Jesus as a teacher. And so we looked yeah. at, like, Jesus as rabbi and, like, how he teaches, and, like, teaching techniques that he uses and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And um, I was telling another teacher who's like a veteran, um, you know, something that my one of my students told me, which was like, um, it must be fun, like giving kids F's on tests. What? And I I, I looked, I was like, um, first of all, you know, I don't really give that many. Um, Also, no, it's not. 
because it's like watching something that you built for three weeks uh -huh. be burned to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. And In one exam. Yeah. yeah. And you can imagine like what Jesus felt, obviously, like on a much more like fantastical grand scale. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, from the beginning of creation. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. he's he's truth himself being lambasted mm -hmm. and being blasphemed against. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and accused being, of blasphemy. And being accused of blasphemy, yeah. Which, and <laughs> and being lied about. Like, yeah. he knows what is the truth because he is the truth. It exists in him. It, mm -hmm. it emanates from him. And yet, he's standing there taking it. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, so, the, the just absolute humility uh, that you see coming to bear in Jesus, really, uh, I don't know. There's, there's no parallel to it. There's no, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, well, it's astounding, well, and that's the thing. And so we have followed, um, we have followed Jesus from that moment where mm -hmm. he is condemned by Pilate, all the way up to where Veronica uh, wipes his face. Mm -hmm. um, and we we talked last week about how uh, in in the wiping of his face with that cloth, that it's a reminder that Jesus never really walked alone, even though he was walking a lonely road. You yeah. know, um, and and she is restoring something of the dignity of the face of the Son of God, you know? Yeah. And, and the Psalms are always asking, Lord, let me seek your face. It's your face, O Lord, that I seek. And so the gift to her and to us is that true image, the Veronica, was was made upon that claw yeah. for, for her to see and um, and for us to see as well, that, that the divine image can't be blotted out. Right, yeah. You know? And so that's where we find ourselves this week as we make the way of the cross uh, by, by moving to Station 8, and that is where Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem. This is pretty curious, yeah. you know, that, that, um, that, again, Jesus is not walking by himself on the way of the cross. He's walking a lonely road, but he's not walking by himself. And so he moves from encountering his mom, encountering uh, Simon of Cyrene, who's pulled in to help him, and then his life has changed forever, yeah. meeting Veronica, and now the women of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're weeping and crying over him, but Jesus, in a sense, doesn't receive their tears. Right. He says, no, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. And so it's hard to imagine for us that, I mean, we've already talked about how, how Jesus fell the first time. We're going to get to his second fall here shortly. And yet he never stops having compassion. Like, I don't know about you, but whenever, like, whenever I've had a, a like a medical procedure done, like when I, I fractured a rib um, a couple of months ago, um, in the roof of the Catholic radio station, <laughs> yeah. uh, or in the ceiling, I should say, attic, attic. That's where that's where that is, mm -hmm. um, and fell through the ceiling. But uh, but whenever I was in pain, I didn't feel like having compassion on anybody. Yeah, I didn't. You know. Poor Ed was there with me. I hope I was compassionate towards you. But like for, for the, the time that I was recovering, I didn't feel like having compassion <laughs> on anybody because I was in pain. Yeah. You know, and, and whenever you're, I mean, most of us, we, we go into that like mm -hmm. protection bear right, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. mode. But Jesus empties himself out to them. He consoles them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that feeling of like when when it is when I've been wronged or when I've been hurt or when I'm physically in pain or sick, it's about me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's definitely an opportunity for us to reflect on do we in the midst of everything that's going on in our lives, because we are a very me centered society, a very me centered culture, like in the midst of our own suffering mm -hmm. that, you know, what do we do with that? Do yeah. we post it on, you know, Instagram for everyone to see and to, for everyone to ask about and, you know, or 
do we do we bear that cross while at the same time looking for other people who can't yeah. carry their cross as well? And honestly, yeah. if you look at, at the saints, one of the great gifts that they give to the church in the after the person of Jesus here is in their own suffering, they enter into the suffering of others and lift them up. You know, I think mm-hmm. about like Padre Pio would be a, a good mm-hmm. example of someone. He, mm-hmm. he, his, he, he received the stigmata and that wasn't painless. Right. He experienced the pain of the wounds of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But through that pain, he was able to identify with the same Christ who somehow manages to console the women of Jerusalem yeah. mm-hmm. who are trying to console him, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and a great power comes from sharing that suffering. Yeah. Can you imagine, too, like the sweetness? Like, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of imagining like the, uh, there's like sweet, I don't want to say pity, but something like that, um, that Jesus must have felt for the women of Jerusalem because they're like trying to console God, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, that's all they can offer, you know, mm-hmm. is just their, their tears and that God accepts those with love and with, he cherishes them. Yeah. Um, but that, that is a genuine gift mm-hmm. that they can offer and, and that we can offer, but especially women, right? Like, I mean, we, t- we've talked about that before on yeah. the show and we can talk ad nauseum about that. Um, but that's a, a special gift that women can offer. You know, Edith Stein is a testament to that, that, yeah. that you know, woman uh, is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. So just by being there, uh, I think Veronica is a testament to that. Like you were saying, Father Mary's a testament to that. Like, look at all the women who mm-hmm. are present on Jesus's way to the cross. John yeah. is the only of his disciples, yeah. the only, you know, man mm-hmm. um, uh, among his disciples who's present. Right. Yeah. Right. But there are throngs of women yeah um and i think that there's a something there in the fact that they there's a, there's a desire there to share that suffering mm-hmm. right to bear inside of themselves that suffering yeah even if it's just being there mm-hmm. yeah. even if it's just looking him in the eye and saying i wish i could take it from you i, yeah. I would crack my chest open and put it inside mm-hmm. of me mm-hmm. if i could yeah. Yeah. and that that does something for people you know um Alice von Hildebrand, I know I've talked about this book, The Art of Living, that um, her and her husband kind of co-write, um, Dietrich von Hildebrand, but um, she has an essay in there on communion, and she talks about how um, communion, real communion is not like this, she talks about it like metaphysical fusion, it's not like you just lose yourself in another person, and you just become like this mixture of like you and another person, but like you, you maintain your wholeness, and the other person maintains their wholeness. Mm-hmm. But the way that you offer yourself to the other person and they offer themselves to you in vulnerability, but also um, in gift. Right. Right. Um, Mutual trust. Mutual trust. Yeah. But with that risk that that gift might be rejected, it might be used. Mm -hmm. Right. Or misused. Um, Right. Misused. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But it might be completely accepted, too. Right. And so you have to be seen and known completely as you are, even in your brokenness, even in your your hurt and your bloodiness, your bruisedness. Um, that is like where real communion takes place. And Correct. so that's, that's what's happening, right? right? When, when Jesus is meeting these women, that's communion that's mm-hmm. taking yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. And it takes, and it takes place because of suffering. And the other question we could ask is how can God be so concerned with our weakness? We're human. He, he's God, you know? And yet as we contemplate uh, the sufferings of Jesus, we see one of the reasons that he's consoling the women of Jerusalem is because he's concerned, moreover, not just with our physical weakness and our emotional weakness, but he's concerned with the seriousness of sin mm-hmm. and how it must be fully atoned. 
if, if it's going to truly be overcome, if, if the sacrifice is going to be consummated. And so Jesus really enters into that suffering on their behalf. Say, women of Jerusalem, weep not so much for me, but weep for yourselves and weep for your children. Mm-hmm. And if you're weeping, as the scripture says, when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? And Jesus is making it very clear that by me going to the cross for you, by me carrying this cross, going to it, dying on it, and preparing to rise for you, you won't end as dry wood. Yeah. We won't end as, as just these, these brittle, broken bones. But we're going to be living branches because in the cross, on the cross, we are grafted to the true vine that is Jesus Christ. Mm. And so in that moment of, of mutual consolation, because we can console the heart of Jesus. That's one of the things we're called to do when we suffer. We're called to console the heart of Jesus because we, in a mysterious way, can do that. St. Paul says we make up for, for ourselves in our own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And so mm. what could that mean except that we have the ability even now to console the heart of Christ as he continues to pour out his mercy and, and even in the best sense of the word, his pity upon the world, that we would turn back to him and live. Mm-hmm. He wants to make us living branches. Mm-hmm. You know, He wants that of us. We just have to be willing, like the, the woman of Jerusalem, to, to go after him, to follow mm-hmm. after him. And, and as you said, Olivia, like I, I want to bear some of this with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One of the greatest things I ever heard about, uh, like the, the stations of the cross was from, uh, Dr. Brant Petrie. I think I've said this before, but, um, he said, look, suffer. And he talked a lot about suffering and how we don't like to suffer. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially in modern day, we take a lot of measures not to suffer. He said, but Christ didn't walk the way of the cross so that we could stand at the end and go, mm, good job, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But he yeah, walked he away the cross, the yeah, so that we could walk with him mm-hmm. even now, you know, and walk and then unite ourselves to the suffering on the cross, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what I love about about you know this this station and when Jesus, all the all the other characters, because Jesus is the main the main character of this of this event, mm-hmm. right? But there are so many other people that walked with him. Yeah, and really, yeah. they're no they're no less they're not really supporting cast members, right. you know. Mm-hmm. They are essential to this work of salvation because, again, Jesus didn't go to the cross in a vacuum. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesus goes to the cross precisely because of all of these people along the way. You yeah. know, I mean, again, if you think of Simon, Simon who was dragged in and conscripted, and yet he went away mm-hmm. yeah. a disciple. So much so that his sons, Alexander and Rufus, were leaders in the Christian community. That's why they're mentioned there because Mark in his gospel assumes you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we know that Rufus... Um, was one of the leading Christians. Uh, Alexander was one of the leading Christians in Rome. So um, that's the beauty of of how Christ works, but how we're called to work as well, is that as Mother Teresa said, now St. Mother Teresa, Mm -hmm. whenever somebody comes into your presence, never let them leave without first having been made better by your presence. You know, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's the the long and the short of it, the essentials. The ninth station is where Jesus falls... (laughs) Uh, again, he falls a third, third time. Yes, he falls mm-hmm. a third time. We've already gone through two falls of our Lord. It's mm-hmm. hard to imagine, but but this third time he falls, and you know we 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 really. I mean, Jesus was helped by Simon, you know, so he got yeah. maybe a little bit more of a, of a wind back if he had any left in his lungs, and he fell again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, when I'm looking at even the the images that we're projecting, mm-hmm. you know, on the screen, if you're watching uh, on anything that you're watching, mm-hmm. uh, and if you go into the churches, there's these beautiful, 
stations of the cross, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it portrays Jesus as oftentimes as still, what I like to call flowy haired Jesus. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, oh no, oops. Yeah, it's, it's kind know? of a, a cleaned up. Yeah. And last week y'all were talking about, you know, uh, about the, the the actual cross. Like, you yeah. know, the, the talking about maybe he just carried the, the cross beam mm-hmm. or, you know, um, no, he carried the whole thing. And like mm-hmm. when he fell, you're talking about a guy who has no protection. You know, like mm-hmm. you're looking at this, if you're looking at this image, he's got a full robe on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude had nothing on, like nothing. Yeah. He right. didn't have, he you know, didn't have steel toed, you know, boots that he's walking down the, he, I mean, and it is a desert. Yeah. So he, I mean, it's like go out in the gravel concrete Take your shoes off mm-hmm. in, you know, in the, the, the midday sun in Louisiana. You know, in that's Louis- a thing. Yeah. In Louisiana. <laughs> and then put it, you know, a couple hundred pounds on your back yeah. when you've already been beaten and scourged. Yeah. And, when you're yeah. trying to carry yeah. this with, you know, with scar, you know, just your back is shredded and mm-hmm. there's, you know, this crown of thorns on your head and like people are pushing and spitting and like, yep. you, like it's not a, and then he fell the third time. He, yeah. Like, no. It's, it's catastrophic collapse yeah right. yeah you know it's, I mean, it's jesus saying the suffering is almost more than i can bear in my yeah. humanity yeah mm-hmm. you know well i was really struck today by the reading you know from mark's gospel when it says that you know joseph of arimathea goes back to Pilate to ask for the body of jesus mm-hmm. and it says like Pilate was amazed that he was already dead yeah um because it was supposed to be like a a, a torturous death. Yeah. You know, right. it's supposed to take a very long they time. They drag it out. And mm-hmm. Jesus died relatively quickly yeah. on the cross. And there was a reason for that because he was very brutally yeah. tortured yeah. beforehand. Beforehand and during the the walk to Calvary. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't like he just kind of called it quits, gave yeah. up his spirit and mm-hmm. said, I'm done. He his physicality gave out. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. the God man's physicality gave out. Mm-hmm. And I know I mentioned this last week, but Bridget of Sweden, you know, she, she had a vision, um, a, a rev- private revelation of the, the number of wounds that Christ's body yeah. endured. And it was 5,480. Yeah. So his body was like, like ground meat. Yeah. It was, yeah. was yeah, pulverized yeah. quite literally. Um, not to paint too brutal of a picture, but, um, so yeah, I mean, when he falls, yeah, like maybe we kind of get to the, the third fall and we're like, oh, okay, another one of these, yeah, right? Like we've already meditated on this, yeah. move on. But I mean, you can imagine, especially thinking about what's coming next, right? Because now he's he's getting to the end of his his walk, you know, right, his, yeah. his journey up the hill to Calvary. And, and think about this too, like the terrain is not flat. Yeah. He's going up a hill um, to the, like kind of the highest point outside the city. Um, cause they couldn't kill him inside the city. He's got to go outside. So he's going up a hill and this is like the last time he falls and it's the last quote unquote rest that he's going to get under the yeah. weight of this cross before they're going to strip him and nail mm-hmm. him to the cross. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I would have been like, I'm, I'm just gonna lay here for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all carry on. Yeah. Right? I don't, I would not have got, had the, and I think what's most important about this to me what i take from it is not that he fell and and you know and everything that comes along with that but that he got back up yeah you know that he in his in his physicality in his humanness in his humanity right he was like "Mm, i got stuff to do yeah it reminds me of uh of saint paul's letter to the corinthians his first letter chapter uh 10 verse 13 he says Mm -hmm. no testing 
has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. And this is what Paul is telling us about ourselves. But in a sense, it's a meditation upon right. upon Christ's resilience. Yeah. Uh, as you say, I got stuff to do, right? Mm-hmm. There, is, there is a mission that will be completed. Yeah. And I think in that third fall, we're invited to reflect on the times that, that yeah, we, we, I, I fall not just three times, you know, over right. the course yeah. of a week or the course of a day sometimes. Um, but, but I am invited like the Lord to, to cry out to God, mm-hmm. to cry out to God, who does not allow me to be tempted and tested beyond my strength. Right. right? Um, the, and, and that is the proper understanding of, of, of how we f- work within suffering, yeah. is that there's not a one of us that, that can be divorced from suffering. Yeah. It's a part of our fallen human condition. But Christ, who was not fallen, was able to suffer the effects of a fallen world, right? Yeah. In, in suffering uh, this, this third fall, but still at the same time, completely, completely bereft of strength mm-hmm. gets up. Yeah. And we're called to do the same. And when you think about it, um, I love what you're saying too about Kathleen, about like, like he, he kind of, he's doing this for like love of us, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so when you think about it, like he falls because of the weight of our sin, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like the metaphysical weight of like every single individual sin, but also just like the power of evil, right? Yeah. Um, but he gets up for the love of us. Yeah. Right. For the love of you. And that's yeah. something that like, that's a hard pill to swallow yeah. that like, and I, I remember, um, uh, I was trying to drill this into my students this week about something. I don't remember, but, but that Jesus hangs on the cross for you yeah. individually mm-hmm. for you. If you were the only person on this planet yeah. and you were the only person who, who ever had been and ever would be, Jesus still would have come and he would have hung on that cross for you. Mm-hmm. And so we, you can't lose ourselves in some kind of mental crowd, you know, right. that like no, right. Jesus came for us. He died for us. Yes, he did. But he came for you, yeah. Yeah. you know, and he gets and up he for, you. Gone yeah. for you. He would have gone for you. Yeah. And I, I talk, I talk about this, you know, I talked about this with a group of, of young people that I was doing a retreat for the other day. I often put the comma, but I call yeah. it the comma, but yeah. like, you know, Christ died for you, comma, but you Kathleen, yeah, right. You, right. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's a hard thing for me to, to, yeah. Like to think about is, is that, you know, that you always say this when Christ, or you always hear this, you know, when, when Christ was dying on the cross, he was thinking of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, comma, but Kathleen. And mm-hmm. that's a hard thing for me to, to, we accept. don't expect the Lord to be so personal. Yeah. Do and we? So like when he got mm-hmm. up, he got up for you, mm-hmm. comma, you Kathleen, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, that's, that, yeah. that has yeah. been my prayer for the last several years mm-hmm. <laughs> is to feel, is to to feel that, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to, to enter into And it's yeah. interesting that you talk about how Jesus essentially is kind of ennobling us as persons mm-hmm. whenever he says, I'm getting up and I'm continuing on for you, Kathleen, right. for mm-hmm. you, Olivia, for you, Christopher, because he calls me with my Christian name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever we get to the 10th station where Jesus is stripped of his garments, yeah. mm-hmm. clothing, right, gives you your social position, right? right? When everybody sees me dressed weird in the supermarket, mm-hmm. right, uh, with this white thing around my neck, you know, it doesn't just give me what thirty days of flea and tick prevention. Yeah. But uh, but we're, in, we're sorry, Jeff didn't so mean to make you spit take. But okay. But um, but yeah, it, it kind of gives you your social position where people kind of know where you are. But Jesus's clothing are gone; they are stripped from him, 
And Jesus being completely stripped publicly means that he is no longer anything at all in the eyes of the world. Yeah. Yeah. He is now an outcast. He is able to be despised. Mm-hmm. Everybody can look at this man, behold this man, and say, yep, he's just a bunch of pulverized meat. Yeah. Look what they've done to him. And now even the clothing he has, perhaps the, the remnants of, of the purple cloth that, you know, is, is gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And had- yet he endures that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm like, this is just coming to to form in my brain. But like, even though it it was an opportunity for them to just say he's just a man, mm-hmm. for for him to to witness to that, I yeah. am, I am not that's just right. a man, but I am. I'm the new Adam, I am man. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. Um, oh, I have to pray on that this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that's that's a a beautiful thing, and and you know. Um, yeah, and, and, and actually, in a sense, he's 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 ennobling human dignity all the more by yeah. allowing himself to be stripped. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you think about too, how um, like in um, well, in all art, essentially since the Middle Ages, you, you look at images of the crucifix, mm-hmm. images of you know any kind of image of Christ, um, and Mary and the saints. Uh, well, Mary's always been clothed, but um, the saints and stuff. It's, since the Middle Ages, they've anytime you'd see Christ depicted on the cross, uh, especially um, traditionally, he was always clothed. depicted na- yeah. well naked. Well, oh, traditionally, right? yes, traditionally um, before yes. like the Middle Ages. But right. then, like they started to wonder, well, is that prudent? Is mm-hmm. that you know respectful, reverent yeah. enough? Um, and so they started to clothe him. That's why you see Christ kind of like with this loincloth, mm-hmm. right, yeah. around him. But that's not, that's not accurate. That's, that's not, not historically accurate. Yeah. No. Um, and, and you're right that like he is a, doing a return to Adam, right? A mm-hmm. return to, to the garden. Mm-hmm. And even like at Calvary, um, the, in the church of the Holy Sepulcher, you know, you look up at the cross that marks the spot where Christ died mm-hmm. and you go like down the little stairs beneath it. And they have like this window mm-hmm. and this rock. And traditionally that is you know, where some of the church fathers believed like where Adam and Eve were buried. Oh yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so like the blood of Christ spilled onto like the skulls of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. First. First. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet we see in, in being stripped of of all the comforts of the world that Jesus wants us in a sense to be naked before him. Mm -hmm. Right. There, there, there's no, there, there's no gray area here. And um, whenever we come to the Lord, like when you go into the confessional, um, the, the best thing that we can do is, is come to him unclothed, right? Yeah. And, and, and at the level of our heart, please wear clothes into the confessional. <laughs> yeah. uh, <please. laughs> um, but, uh, but without a doubt, we see the unselfishness right, yeah. of himself. And so we're called to do that, right? Yeah. That, that, it's, that it's we who, who spit upon him. Yeah. It's we who strip him of his clothing whenever right. we sin. And yet we ask him to help strip our souls of the bad habits that we right, form, yeah. right? To strip our souls of those things that, that keep us from his love. Um, not him from loving us, but keep us right. from his love. Uh, we hope that we won't keep you, but we'll be back on the other side of the break. It's the Catholic Underground. Stay right there. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. 
Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. That's right, ladies and germs, you have found the Catholic Underground. We are somehow still podcasting on all frequencies at uh, catholicunderground.tv and your podcasting zone of choice. Yep. I'm Father Chris Decker, joined by Kathleen Lee, by Olivia Galino, up on the Jeff Star one, Jeff Blackwell, uh, of that very, now you know how the satellite is named, mm-hmm. and Ed, Ed is also uh, there who's running the video for us, so if you're listening on the radio, if you're listening on the podcast... Where is if Ed? You're, if you're, if you're listening in there any pits that you might know of. If you're, if you're listening from a pit, Ed is probably running the yes. video for it. Oh, my. Oh, when it rhymed, too. That was worth it. Yeah. You know, there, there's at, at the end of the of, of St. Alphonsus's Way of the Cross, uh, St. Alphonsus Liguri, which prob- probably is one of the best ways of the cross, uh, if I may be so bold. Mm. Uh, his reflections are fantastic. But there's a rhyme at the end how they translate it into, in, into English, mm-hmm. um, and I can't now. I can't remember it, but it's 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 something, and it rhymes with amends and firm resolve to make amends. Oh, for like all my sins and firm resolve to make amends. Uh-huh. And I keep trying to figure out a way to alter the rhyme scheme so it doesn't rhyme, but I can't because that's the only thing in the entire prayer that rhymes and drives me crazy. The, the missile does that sometimes too. The the 2011 translation, uh, um, there are things that are rendered into the English that rhyme. You're like, I don't feel like I should be rhyming right now, but <laughs> only is, you would that bother. Uh, maybe so. Father. <laughs> ah. Oh. Oh, this is. Fun. That was totally an accident, but I took advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it's an imperfect rhyme. All right, so we've been talking about the way of the cross, and uh, we we ended before the break with the tenth station, Jesus being stripped of his garments, um, for us. Really, these are all. Right. That's the other thing too: is all of these actions are not just the happenstance of what happens when you're when you're crucified, when you have to undergo crucifixion, but these were definitively allowed by God. These mm-hmm. moments were allowed by God so that now even something so gruesome as the Roman capital punishment in its penal yeah. system mm-hmm. can become sources for us of ennobling, yeah. right? Even even that. Like now, if you think about it, like in, in the first century, if you wore a cross around your neck as a piece of jewelry, you would have been thought mad, mm-hmm. crazy, yeah. and yeah. a bit morbid. Now we wear crosses around our necks as a sign of victory. Yeah. Right? Of of Christ having finally the last word on death. Yeah. Yeah. And so even all these actions taking place, uh, these 14 stations are symbols for us now that have been pumped full of meaning. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and, and I, I love the the idea that there are things that we as as Catholics um, as Christians even, mm-hmm. um, have become really numb to mm-hmm. like, okay, stations of the cross more you okay, <laughs> moving on. Right. And then we, we have, you know, some, um, somebody puts on, you know, some kind of reenactment and it's so great. And it, we're like, okay, happy, happy Holy week, you know, and, and we become numb to the reality of what it actually is, yeah. what actually happened. And, you know, and, and and what it means yeah. so when we when we dress it up as something where we're like oh this flowy hair jesus you know then we lose that 
that the impact of it yeah you know and and i i love like you know we're when we get down to the to the last ones there's a, a book that i haven't read called um a doctor at calvary oh yes that's a fantastic uh, um, book. i haven't mm-hmm. read it i have it in my possession and I, maybe i'll read it this so it's the, the medical book. account yeah, but it's, it's the actual the like, oh, what yeah, happened and so yeah. when you think about uh you know i anyway i i just love that i love for me i have to be impacted in that way like i have to know the reality of it so that i can, of what actually happened so that i can then contemplate the reality of what it means yeah, yeah. you know there's a um this is coming from uh the the personal private chat from uh my friend Haley who's watching the show mm-hmm. but um there's a ebook on free ebook on the word on fire website called the sign of the cross Reco- recovering the power of the ancient prayer mm-hmm. um speaking of something that we do every day probably yeah. multiple mm-hmm. times a day and is probably one of the things that we can gloss over the most sure. and completely forget about. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for a way to like enter into Holy Week, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, um, uh, I I was thinking while you're talking, Kathleen, about like some when I whenever I'm teaching, um, especially when I'm teaching about things that like my students might already assume that they know about. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you find this like particularly difficult because like you can like see it on their faces, like the checkout moment, like yeah. oh okay, I got this, I know this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally familiar. And I like one of the things that I love about theology and, and scripture and um, in particular is that it's inexhaustible. Yeah. yeah, I will never plumb the depths. Right. Yeah. Nope. You can anything. try. Yeah. And you should try. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and I will continue to. But even like I was I was talking to my seniors about Genesis one through three. We spent two weeks on it mm-hmm. on three chapters of the Bible. And I can tell at one point they were just like, are we really like we haven't moved on? and i at one point like started tearing up because i was just like this is this is so beautiful and it's so rich do do you see do you see the the beauty Mm -hmm. of our creation that's hidden in here and we could have missed it yeah and i I think they like they looked at me a little bit like i was crazy but i was just like if you think if if that's what it takes to like make you make you look at it Mm -hmm. that's fine look at me like i'm crazy but i i don't know i there, there is something about, I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> there okay. is something about like, we need those things in our daily lives, whether it's like a crazy teacher or just someone or something that's going to like slap us yeah. to whether it's like a phrase doing Lexio, getting yeah. ourselves in like some kind of routine that's going to wake us up to like the power, especially of the scriptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, even like I was saying earlier, like I've heard the passion reading in Mark, I read it two weeks ago with my students. Yeah. I didn't notice that line from mm-hmm. Pilate, but it stuck with me today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Yep. So, and it may very well become an antiphon for you as you exactly. make your way through Holy Week. That's the beauty of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So these things aren't, they aren't accidents, right? The Holy Spirit is real and he's coming. And yeah. then the, the 11th station, um, if you, if you can imagine, um, Jesus is nailed to the cross. Mm-hmm. So the same creatures that he created mm-hmm. us, we nailed him to the cross. Yeah. Yeah, our God, we made him stretch out his hands, and we did not believe that, that he was who he said he was, is. Yeah. And uh, we nailed him to the cross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, and one of the things, this is, you know, a little warning, I guess. Mm-hmm. It may get a little, a little squeamish, some people. But, like, you know, even in the way that they, you know, we 
you know, when I was learning about about the the crucifixion mm-hmm. in a in a deeper way when I was in college, you know, even the little things that we don't notice on the crucifix, like you know, why was there a little a little place for his feet? That's not mm-hmm. just decoration, mm-hmm. right? The fact that when Christ was crucified, the way that they would do that was um, they would crucify you and then and then put your feet on that little pedestal pedestal yeah. uh-huh. so that then you could pull and push yourself up to breathe yeah to expand your lungs yeah. and so breathe. so the nails become right yeah. like part of the fulcrum yeah that allows yeah. you to uh-huh. right? only to prolong and, and like, the process yeah, yeah. and this mm-hmm. and like, right it was to keep you alive longer right yeah and i'll talk about and I'll talk about in a minute mm-hmm. what happens you know after he dies but like even that stuff like I, you know t- and you know people that i talk to about this mm-hmm. you know I'm like, do you realize? Like, this is this is. Yes, the, this was like, it was intended to be gruesome. Yeah, right? there there was no other way around yeah. it. And if you think about it, we talk about this sometime on the show when we speak about um, how whenever we do not have God to worship, we always worship ourselves. Yeah. And when we worship ourselves as God, and we think that we are God, the only way that we can attempt to create something in our image is by destroying it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what that's what we do. Right. We. We can't create out of nothing, so we we create a nothing out of stuff that we then try to remake in our own image. And that's essentially what humanity was trying to do here, Mm -hmm. trying to to kill God so that we could remake something in our own image that we could control. Mm -hmm. You know, by nailing Jesus to the cross, we are attempting to fashion a golden calf. That is ourselves. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and yeah. we do that whenever we sin. And, and this is it writ large. Mm-hmm. When I sin, I mean, you've, you've heard it and it's kind of pious thought, but it's true. When I sin, it is, it is I. I am, I am driving the nail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm crucifying the Lord. You know what I realized too that I, I never realized before. Um, so Barabbas, right, the one that they released yes, instead the of the son of the father, the son of Bar-Abbas. the father, yeah, the Barabbas uh, in Hebrew. Um, he was a his, revolutionary. Why? Because he was trying to be a messianic figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and his name literally means the son of the father. And yeah. I, I, when I realized that, like my head like shot up and I got like a little shiver down my spine. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, think about it, second, uh, what is it, Second Corinthians eleven fourteen or something about mm-hmm. like how even Satan can like. Um, um, uh, shield himself or, or manifest himself as an angel of light. Yeah. Right. And so there will even be these figures that like pretend to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like the truth can be right in front of us and we don't see it. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. And so Jesus is nailed, you know, bound hand and foot, nailed to the cross, um, uh, the unblemished lamb mm. um, now being struck, mm. right? Now being being sacrificed, actively sacrificed upon yeah. the cross. And yet he he willingly did so for us. Um, and and he uh, willingly goes to the cross for us because he knows that he has to be sacrificed in every possible way. Yeah. Because he is the Lamb. He is the, the Lamb of God. Yeah. Uh, he's and, Isaac. He right? is. And he's, he is. He is Isaac. You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was um, whenever the the priests of the temple would go up to the temple to offer the sacrifice, the first priest of the day. Would have to go up and and the, the the altar of sacrifice in the temple was this huge like 12 by 20 cube like mm-hmm. there was this big stairwell up to it and everything and to get up to the top to light the torches around the altar the uh the high priest would have to take a beam of wood on his shoulders hmm. and go up the steps hmm. to light wow the so the, even the priests in the Old Testament recognized that whenever they were going up to offer this sacrifice of atonement, for sins, 
they were prefiguring or postfiguring Isaac. And so Jesus, as he goes to the altar of the cross, the throne of the cross, and he is carrying the wood for the sacrifice, he knows exactly what he's doing. He yeah. willfully does it, even knowing the pain. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is kind of mind-blowing to, to see all the different ways in which Christ's definitive, intentional actions through the way of the cross are fulfilling the Old Testament and, uh, and setting up this, this new covenant in his blood. Um, and then, of course, that, that moves us to the 12th station, which we usually pause at for a little bit if you make the way of the cross. Uh, the 12th station is Jesus dies on the cross, and uh, he suffers for three hours on the cross. So he, this, this blew my mind today, and this is, again, from Dr. Brant Petrie, mm-hmm. that um, at, at the— um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. At, at, <laughs> at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at 9 a.m., Jesus uh, goes to the cross, right, mm-hmm. and, and is nailed there. At 9 a.m., there was something happening in the temple at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. Jeff, do you know what was happening at the temple? So in Exodus chapter 29, what was prescribed to be offered every day mm-hmm. as a perpetual sacrifice instituted by the Lord was... A lamb of sacrifice mm-hmm. had to be offered every day mm-hmm. at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's when the Jews would go to pray in the temple. So if you hear about like Peter and Paul going to pray mm-hmm. in the temple mm-hmm. area in Acts chapter 2, they were going at 9 a.m. An unblemished lamb had to be offered on the altar as well as an offering of bread and wine. Mm-hmm. And the bread was usually baked into a little flat cake and, and oil was splashed across it in the form of a cross. That sound familiar? Hmm. A little, a little unleavened wafer. Yeah. Huh. So at 9 a.m., as Jesus was nailed to the cross, uh, bread and wine was being offered in the temple, instituted by the Lord God Himself in Exodus 29, as well as a sacrificial offering of a lamb. Mm-hmm. When Jesus breathes His last on the cross, there's something happening at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. That same sacrifice is offered at 3. At 3 p.m., mm-hmm. a lamb is offered on the altar in atonement for sin, crying out for the Messiah to come, and bread and wine is offered. Yeah. What does Jesus do the night before he dies, the night he is betrayed? He tells us that bread and wine are going to become his body and his blood. Mm-hmm. This is my body. This is my blood of the new and everlasting perpetual covenant mm-hmm. that will not cease until I come back. Mm-hmm. My brothers and sisters, for those of you who are listening, who are wondering what the Catholics are all about, why do we do all of this? It is because when that temple is destroyed in 70 AD, it is the Lord's disciples, the apostles that he created, our first bishops and our first priests, who would perpetuate an, an eternal, or I should say a perpetual sacrifice, offering an unbloody bread and wine that is the unblemished lamb. Mm. So when Jesus dies on the cross, all of these things are consummated. They are brought together and made as one. Yeah. And so when we go to Mass, we are fulfilling 9 a.m. in the temple, 3 p.m. in the temple. Mm-hmm. We're fulfilling Jesus being nailed on the cross. We're fulfilling his death on the cross. And we are also receiving Jesus in his glorified, although veiled body. Mm-hmm. We're receiving the end game as well. Yeah. 
That's the 12th station. Oh, yes. You know? And then traditionally, traditionally, you know, as I was speaking about, we, what they would do is is you would push and pull yourself up to breathe and then eventually when they had enough they would um they would they would break your legs mm-hmm. so you couldn't push yourself up anymore and you would suffocate mm-hmm. but at the end they come to break Jesus's legs and he's already he's he's, he's already, already died yeah. right fulfilling that that idea that he was the unblemished lamb. Yeah, not a bone, not was, a broken. bone was broken. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, come on. These yeah. are not the things we talk about. Yeah. I wish, like, if you look, yeah. if this stuff, if your mind is being blown right now, find something from Dr. Brant Petrie. Yeah. He talks about this in such a beautiful way. And it, I mean, like, it is stuff that I didn't know about until I, and I've been a Catholic my whole life until I studied in college. Mm-hmm. And it makes you look at, at this way of the cross, this, this death on, on the cross that we, you know, we, we make these beautiful crucifixes to wear around our necks and, and hang in our, our hallways and our offices and our homes. It makes you look at it and go, Oh, I know what that means. Yeah. And I'm willing to wear this around yes. my neck. Yeah. I'm willing yes. to have this image in, a, in my home because I know that that this crucifixion is for me yeah and this crucifixion was because of me and yet this crucifixion is not the end yeah this does not signal the end this signals the beginning of a new life yeah. by christ shedding his blood we are made yeah. new yeah. you know that's my one of my favorite scenes probably in the entire passion of the christ uh, mel gibson's now classic mm-hmm. is whenever jesus is bearing the cross and he meets his mother and he's, he's kind of got that, that next little wind to keep going. Yeah. As he quotes the book of Revelation, Behold, I make all things new. Mm. And that's exactly what he does when he goes to the cross. Yeah. But we can't get to Easter Sunday before we get through Good Friday. And so the 13th station is a very famous one because um, it has been capitulated and recapitulated in art for so many yeah. now thousands of years. And that is the Pietà. Jesus is taken down from the cross and he is placed in the arms of his mother. So two of Jesus' disciples take his body down from the cross. Um, Joseph of Arimathea, if you remember, he goes to Pilate and asks if he can have Jesus' body, if it mm-hmm. can be taken down. Pilate is surprised that he's dead already. So yeah. he says to Joseph, we'll go and do that. So they take it down they, and they put Jesus in the arms of his mother. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how how... You know, any of you who have, who have lost a child, mm-hmm. um, no matter the age of your child, you never want to have to bury your child. But that's the agony that Mary is is in the midst mm-hmm. of. You know, she who said yes, she who knew of God's promises being fulfilled, and she who knew that God's promises were being fulfilled, still once again undergoes the agony of, of holding her son mm-hmm. dead. And so mm-hmm. almost always it's Mary that we that we are think about in this moment and we brought this up a few years ago when um uh holy thursday uh i'm sorry when the annunciation and um good friday was on the same day march 25th Mm -hmm. but traditionally in the church they um the church fathers believed that the annunciation and the day that jesus died good friday were the same day march 25th Mm -hmm. because they believed that his his life you know starting at his conception in mary's womb by the holy spirit and ending with his death on the cross was a complete cycle right so she really is kind of receiving um 
a, a new nativity, right? To say yeah. it. Um, and, and I mean, there is a new nativity happening on the cross, right? It's yeah. the birth of the church. Right. The birth of right? the church and all of us, right? Being but it reborn. Has to, it has to happen through that agony, right? Mm-hmm. That, that final sword in her, in her heart. Yep. And so we see in that, uh, that final sword in Mary's heart that, that that's exactly where she holds her son, right? Mm-hmm. She holds him close to her heart. Um, and so we, we do, like St. Alphonsus Liguri, Mary's sorrowful mother, pray to your son for me. Jesus, you have died because you love me. Help me to love you always. I love you, Jesus. I repent of my sins. Help me to never sin again, to love you always, and to do your will. That, um, that's, that's that station where, where yeah. Mary kind of looks at us yeah. as she's looking at her son. Mm-hmm. And Mary doesn't look at us accusatorily, no. you know? No. She doesn't look at us and say, look what you did. She looks at us to say, and what of you? Yeah. You know, what of you, my child? Because Mary is our mother. What mm-hmm. of you, my child? There's a beautiful image. Um, it's actually two images by a man named uh, William Adolf Bougerie? Bougereau. Bougereau, thank yeah, you. Yeah, uh-huh. um, he, does, he has two beautiful images of Mary and Jesus. Yeah. One of them is called A Virgin of the Lilies, where Mary is depicted holding the child Jesus. And the other one is is his Pieta, where she's Mary is holding um, Oh, yes, and she's got she's Jesus. looking intently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you Google them, um, some some places will split the screen. Oh, yeah. And so you have oh, on yeah. one side this youthful image of Mary who's just contemplating motherhood with mm-hmm. this bouncing baby boy and the other um, where she's holding her son. Mm-hmm. And and the look, I mean, it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. The weight that she herself literally holds and mm-hmm. now carries from the cross, yeah. you know, of not only her, her, her dead son, mm-hmm. right. But of, of, you know, the, the church that she now has, you know, has some other yeah. and the sorrow that comes with that as well. That's right. You know? Exactly. Cause it does, you, you do begin to bear a cross as the yeah. church is born too, because you realize that each of her members must then also go through their own suffering, death and resurrection. Yeah. I mean, because that's what baptism is. Baptism is an entry into the life of Christ, but also mm-hmm. his death and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that brings us of course to, to the 14th station, which is Jesus is laid in the sepulcher. You know, we don't get the sense that Jesus knew who Joseph of Arimathea was because yeah. the scriptures tell us that Joseph was a secret member of the disciples. He was mm-hmm. a man of some import, and so he had to kind of protect his station. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it was Joseph of Arimathea who provides the tomb for Jesus. And mm-hmm. so Jesus is laid in a stranger's tomb, you know? Yeah. He came Which into I the just, world with nothing, right? Born yeah. in a manger and goes to a stranger's tomb. Which I, I really love meditating on the fact that like when Jesus leaves his home in Nazareth mm-hmm. and to begin his public ministry, that's the end of him really. I mean, and when you think about it, he didn't really own anything living in his, his family home, but like he, he doesn't own anything. He's mm-hmm. basically homeless, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and even he's, he's buried in a borrowed tomb. Yeah. Yeah. It, he has nothing to his name. So like the, right. the he kenosis, created it all. Yeah. Like think about the second reading today from Philippians, like the, the, the kenosis, the emptying that happens mm-hmm. when Jesus becomes, uh, takes on the human nature and becomes man. He's incarnated. It's complete, right? Mm-hmm. He, he takes nothing for himself. No, right. Yeah. He could have been incarnate fully 33 years old. He could have mm-hmm. been incarnate, um, with whatever clothing he desired. He could have, uh, been incarnate in whatever palace he desired. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet 
his palace was that of a feeding trough. Yeah. You know? Um, the only thing he carried with him, really, was uh, the fact that he was born of the royal line of David. But even yeah. that wasn't his. You know, yeah. it was given to him by Joseph, but, by yeah, Joseph's yeah. line. And so, yeah, he comes into the world. I mean, it, it recalls um, that line from Job. Naked I have come forth from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. He is stripped of his garments. He mm-hmm. is laid in a stranger's tomb. Um, and that is enough. Yeah. Yeah. That is enough for him to accomplish everything. And so are we willing to do the same? Are, are we willing to leave everything behind to follow the Lord? There are a number of disciples who did exactly that. There are a number, number of, uh, of men of the church that do the same thing. There are a number of women in the church that do. And I dare say there are a number of families that um, husbands and wives who completely gives themselves give themselves over to the practice of their faith, knowing full well that it's going to mean they're ostracized by the world around them, by other families. You know, you, we we hear it. Oh, you're Catholic. Oh, you have twelve kids. Well, yeah. and then and then the 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 making fun starts. But giving yourself completely over to the Lord, mm-hmm. and and whatever that that means, being open to life, being open to new life, being open to the surprises of God, that that comes with a, a price tag, and the price tag, oftentimes, if nothing else, is being ridiculed by the world. Mm. And remember, as I said in my homily today, the world is not your friend. Yeah. The world is not your friend. We must live in the world. We must interact in the world. The world is made for us. But a fallen world is not your friend. And so don't try to make friends with it. Don't try to make, um, uh, you know, allowances for it. But Jesus being laid in a stranger's tomb, wrapped in a stranger's linens, is exactly how we are called to live our lives too. Mm. Also that we can be raised with him. If we have died with him, we shall also be raised with him, right? And we also, we also will reign with him if we hold out to the end. St. Paul says you can depend on that, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, that's the truth. All right, I mean, we got a few seconds here, uh, uh, Jeff, but but do you think, in your estimation, that we have time for that part of the show that we like to call? The CU Pick of the Week. Well, apparently we do. Yes. So why don't we go to Olivia, because I, she's on a roll. I'm being punished. <laughs> well, no, it's only because I'm used to this and I can only do this way. Okay. So my pick of the week is, um, Aquinas 101 by the Thomistic Institute. Um, which in general, I love the Thomistic Institute's YouTube channel. Um, they have very, very informative, uh, videos that break down incredibly intense, difficult topics yep. into very bite-sized, understandable content. Which I like because Thomas yes. can be tough. Yes. And I use them in my classes and my students love them and can understand Thomas Aquinas, thank God. But um, their important. Aquinas 101 series is great because cool. it, they pair their content, their video content with the texts of Aquinas. And so it makes it um, easier to understand the actual texts, right? Which can be very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it, it's kind of like a study resource. Um, yeah. But then there's also like other... Um, study resources as well. So they do a really good job of breaking down one of the most, you know, pivotal church fathers, um, but also one of the most difficult um, by some veritable geniuses. So highly recommend Aquinas 101 by the Thomistic Institute. And Kathleen. Nice. I have discovered, you know me, I love um, a good Dr. Quinn episode. Um, <laughs> stick with me here. I have all 42 discs of the series, including the two movies. Booyah. Okay. I have found a modern a day 
version of this called Heartland. Yeah, okay, on yeah. D- yeah. On okay. Uh, Netflix. It is awesome. It is Canadian. It is wholesome. Yes, it you is. should watch it. <laughs> Heartland. It's good. Apparently, I've seen like, they've been doing it for 20 years. I was going to say, yeah. is it a 90s where, season? Where have I been? I mean, I know about it. I haven't yeah. watched Thanks it. Thanks a lot. Nobody told it. me. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, my pick of the week is quite possibly one of the classics, Romano Gordini's The Lord. Oh, if you good. want, this is a 1954 book, right? So oh. if you want, um, b- before biblical scholarship and the historical critical method in the best sense of the word was a thing, this was written. So you have a, the, the spiritual, the historical critical, um, the, the narrative, all the different modes of scripture, Romano Gordini takes, it, uh, takes you through it on this meditation on Jesus Christ the Lord. So definitely one of my picks of the week. In fact, you can see that I've got several bookmarks here uh-huh. because usually when I'm working on homilies, uh, this is what I'm going to be looking at because he's very good. In fact, uh, right here, the entry into Jerusalem is uh, is one very much of those, uh, of those chapters that I didn't read today, wow. but I might come back this evening. Um, uh, so if you want to learn about kind of the Lord's life through a spiritual lens, this is the way to do it. Romano Gordini's. The Lord. Mm, written nice. in the year of my birth. That, that, oh, yeah. It was very good. Yeah. And with yeah. a forward by Pope Benedict XVI. Oh. Yeah. Aha. Who loved Gordini as well. Ah. By, by the way, I gave yep. up my walker for Lent. Okay? Oh, so, uh, good yes. For you. Yeah, and that's a good thing to give <laughs> up there, uh, Jeff. Up, yeah. uh, but that doesn't mean you have to take it up again <laughs> no. at Easter. Yeah. No, indeed. Yeah. No, indeed. As always, the Catholic Underground is made possible by viewers, by listeners, by prayer warriors, and by benefactors like you. You can become an official undergrounder today, Jeff, by going to catholicunderground.com slash donate. Yeah, that's correct. You can also help us out by letting other people know about us. So like us and heart us and star us, which apparently is a thing on Facebook now again, what? Yeah. Um, or whatever your platform of choice is. And if the podcasting service you use has a review option, Jeff, leave a review. Say something nice, though. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And if you want to say something mean, make sure you email us because we like to read hate mail. Too, so, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll take that. Our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee at Lee 626 on the Instagram. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. Olivia Galino is the dot real dot OMG on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. Jeff Blackwell is our technical director. You can find him at Jeff Blackwell us on Twitter. Jeff, thank you. It's a privilege, Father. Also, Ed Ball is our video director. He is not available on any of the social media, and he's very thankful for that. Jim Hayes is our research assistant with his crew in the lab. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. I'm at Digital Catholic on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be off for Easter in a couple of weeks. We probably will take those weeks off. But we'll be back in no time flat for more of the Catholic Underground, which you've been listening to. We're cutting through the noise so you can find that still small voice. We hope you have a good Holy Week, and we will see you next time.